When her mom and dad drove her to the air... Oh, sorry. I don't think I have it on. Yeah, I do. Okay. Now I'm really going. (laughs) We have the first line down, don't we? When her mom and dad drove her to the airport in Sacramento to drop her off for her flight to New York, where she would be a college freshman, her mom didn't even get out of the car to say goodbye. The tension was high between the daughter and her parents. The daughter wanted her freedom and independence, and she was embarrassed by her parents. Her parents were hurt and angry. After they drove away, the mom cried and then circled back around to the airport to give a proper farewell, but it was too late. Her daughter had gone inside, and she was off. The daughter's name is Ladybird, and this is a scene from the movie called Ladybird that came out in 2017. In some ways, the drama between the recalcitrant teenager and her parents, well, it's not all that unique. We know that part of what happens is that our children need sometimes to push us away in order to find their own self. But Ladybird, she takes it to the extreme. You see, Ladybird is not the name she was given at birth. It is the name that she gave to herself. She so wants to not belong to the community that she is part of that she shuns her own given name. She wants nothing to do with the Catholic school where her parents send her. She wants nothing to do with her father who does not make enough money to pay her college tuition. But after she gets to New York and after she is on her own for a while, she begins to see her mother's oppressive love differently and she calls home and her parents are out and so she leaves them a voicemail hi mom hi dad it's me christine it's the name you gave me and it's a good one and then she begins on the voicemail to reminisce and talk to her parents and before she hangs up she says i i just wanted to tell i i just wanted to say Thank you. I'm, well, thank you. Today's scripture lesson is about an estranged family. Jacob and his twin brother Esau have been at odds since birth. Jacob tricked his brother out of his rightful inheritance, and this angered their father. Then Jacob and his own father-in-law Laban struggled to agree both on family and business matters. And now, after years, decades of isolation, Jacob is on his way home to patch up a family feud with his brother. By all outward measures, Jacob has become enormously successful. He has massively large herds of camels and goats and cows and sheep and donkeys. He even has two wives, a reminder that we don't always need to emulate the families of the Bible. And he has two maids and lots of kids, but he sends all of them, the livestock and the family members, all of them ahead, and Jacob stays behind at the riverbank, and he spends the night in solitude. He plans to be completely alone. 
But instead of finding solace, Jacob spends the night wrestling in agony. It is the worst night of tossing and turning you can possibly imagine. Hardly a wink of sleep. Last weekend, I caught a television interview with New York restaurateur Danny Meyer. Danny spent 35 years building his 20 restaurants, and last year his company had a $100 million revenue. But when COVID hit, Danny laid off 2,100 employees. He pointed out that restaurants employ more people than the airline industry and the car industry combined. This is a huge crisis. And the interviewer said to Danny, wow, that must have been a nightmare for you. And Danny replied quickly, it was only a nightmare on the nights that I slept. Jacob had one of those kind of nights. The text says that Jacob wrestled with God until daybreak. They wrestled so much that when he walked away the next morning, Jacob was limping because his hip had been knocked out of its socket. This is no God moment of a still small voice whispering in the air. This is a cajoling, a fierce dialogue, a demanding prayer. It is the mixed martial arts of prayer and spirituality. It does not sound pleasant at all. Jacob isn't even sure who he is wrestling with at first. Tell me your name, says Jacob. But the reply is no reply at all. Why do you want to know my name? And yet, at the end of the wrestling match, Jacob says, I have seen God face to face. And Jacob marches off, sloshing his waders through the waters of the Jabbok Fork River and into his homeland to reunite with his estranged brother. Some Old Testament scholars, such as Phyllis Tribble have said that the word in this text for wrestle, that Hebrew word wrestle, really means God gets dirty. Or if you're reading a version of the Old Testament in Greek, the word here is agon, from which we get our English word agony, or our word antagonistic. What happened when Jacob met God in the middle of the night was agony. It was painful, a painful struggle. And yet, when you and I look for God, when we listen for God, we tend to look not in the dirt, but in green pastures. We listen for God in the church when Paul Tucker plays the piano. We listen for God as we gaze at the stained glass windows. We tend to pay attention and to seek God when we're hiking up a 14,000-foot mountain. Sometimes we imagine that if life is going well, if our career is thriving and our family is healthy and happy, then we will experience God's wonder and God's majesty. But Jacob? Jacob heard God and saw God face to face during what seemed like the worst night of his entire life. In a wrestling match, 
He is tortured by his past. He is desperately afraid of what will happen when he reunites with his brother who threatened to kill him last time they talked. Here, as life seems fragile and there are millions of worries, Jacob decides to hold back for a night of solitude and God appears. The biblical scholar Richard Hayes says that God is going to come after us in the dark. Here, Jacob is vulnerable, and here, Jacob listens to God. The Christian existentialist Gabriel Marcel said it this way, Do not run or fly away in order to get free. Rather, dig in the narrow place which has been given you, you will find God there. If God came to Jacob in that narrow, dusty place of solitude, along the dirty riverbank, in that moment of angst and fear, then where might we need to listen for God? Could God also show up in the messes of our lives? When you look back over your life, have you heard God in an ICU ward? In an oncologist's office? Sometimes God's voice is most clearly heard in the middle of the agony of a divorce. I remember a few years ago when one of my clergy colleagues was devastated because he thought his church wanted him to resign. I went over to see him late one evening and I sat with him and his wife in their living room, the two of them on their sofa and me in the chair, and they looked devastated. They didn't know what to do, and I, I had no answers. But I could feel that he was on the verge of walking away from ministry. And so I just asked him, why did you become a minister in the first place? And he said through his agony and his tears, because the world needs to hear about God's love. They need to hear this message. And I said, well, that hasn't changed. So let's figure out what to do next. God created us, says the first page of the Bible, out of the dust, out of the dirt. And God meets us again and again and again in the dirt. When Jesus came to earth, God in human form, he came among the ordinary folk. He hung out on the dirty, dusty roads with the poor and the lame and the blind and the broken. And when Jesus went to the cross, even there, we found God's love. Elie Wiesel was sent to Auschwitz when he was 15 years old. He stayed alive doing hard labor only because he was motivated to stay alive because his father was still with him. If his father was alive, he said, he could keep going. And then he witnessed his father's brutal death. His mother and his sister disappeared. After the war, he became a journalist, a writer, a professor, eventually moving to the United States where he taught in Boston. After surviving the concentration camps, Ellie came to the United States and he met with a very famous rabbi a rabbi that some people thought might even be the Messiah because this rabbi was so wise and so saintly. 
the two of them sat down and talked for two hours, hours, Ellie and the rabbi. And finally, this young Jewish boy named Ellie mustered the courage. And he asked, Rabbi, how can you believe in the name of the Lord after the Holocaust? And the rabbi looked sadly at the young Ellie and he replied, and how can you not believe in the name of the Lord after the Holocaust? Both questions point to the honest human wrestling with God. God comes to that place where we honestly struggle with what we most deeply experience and believe. We wrestle with God and we emerge as someone new, someone with a new name, someone changed. You see, at the end of the story, God gives Jacob a new name. God says, you will no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. Jacob, the old name, means trickster, but Israel, the new name, means one who strives with God. Jacob is given this new name, Israel, and Jacob stands in for all of us who seek an authentic and meaningful relationship with God. Israel refers, you see, not to one man, but becomes the name for the whole community, the people of Israel, the whole people of God. He symbolizes all of us who strive to hear God and to honestly listen to and engage with God in whatever trials and struggles we face in this life. The God we need is not a God who sits off alone on a cloud or on a throne made of gold and jewels. We need a God who meets us in the dirt. Jacob, he has been a scoundrel his whole life, but God still loves him and is still with him in the dirt and still blesses him for a new future and a new life. Our whole nation, our whole world is in a struggle right now. All of us can taste the dirt of despair. There is really not a person alive who has not somehow been touched by this global pandemic. It is our reality on some level, all of, them, all of us must wrestle with this moment. The question is, who will we be when it is over? The pandemic, it's going to end. No doubt this crisis will pass, but right now we have a chance to decide. Will we allow God to give us a new name when we walk away from this moment limping what name will God give to us?